Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Skinnell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic, but I am incredibly jealous because I heard you're in a special location podcasting this morning. Uh, yes, we are in our beautiful conference room in downtown Valparaiso, Indiana. Hello. Valparaiso. I'm trying to do my, uh, my radio voice. That's right. Valparaiso, Indiana. Coming to you live and exactly. you know pre-recorded, but yeah. Good stuff. Well, and you know, the next we're, question I'll, is always, where is that? But I'll, we'll get at that later. That'll be. A it's in Indiana, podcast. from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. Hey, I, I hear you have a guest, and that is Greg Clark. Hello, Greg. Hello. Valparaiso, huh? How is it? It's great here today. Actually, it's Fantastic. a beautiful day outside. Wonderful. Yes, it is. All right, Tim. I know that you brought Greg in for a very specific reason. Why'd you bring him on the show today? Well, we've talked in our podcast in the past about our what we call our wealth management formula. You know, mm -hmm. in addition to investment management, we do a lot of advanced planning and we focus a great deal on professional relationship management. So, so today Greg is here and he is a certified valuation analyst, a CVA and oh, a CPA. Nice. So, it's a it's a mouthful. It's a lot of letters, but um, I wanted to bring him on because oftentimes when we're working with Wealth transfer, making sure that assets go efficiently to the next generation, uh, wealth protection, and uh, you know a great deal when we're dealing uh, with philanthropic, philanthropic or planned giving, we want to bring in a valuation specialist. And Greg has a real unique perspective. It's his only focus, which is actually very unique for CPA firms. So I wanted to bring him in, introduce him to the listeners, and talk about why a valuation analyst is critical for planning. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because we've been talking a lot about the value drivers and, you know, how to make the best situation for your entire business and your family. So I'm really excited about today. Let's get into it. All right. So I guess I'll just ask Greg initially, tell me a little bit about your background, school, education, work, all that. Certainly. So uh, my bachelor's degree is from Purdue University. I have a master's in the science of accountancy from the University of Phoenix. I have been in the professional world for more than 10 years. I worked in industry for about four years, and then I moved over back over to public accounting. Valuation, as they often say, isn't a calling. It's something most people stumble into. I got into valuation about six months into my CPA career. I fell in love with it at that point and have kind of focused my practice area on that ever since. I've started my own firm now as GMC and Company. We are business valuators. Uh, we help clients with questions of value, cash flow, working with both business owners, attorneys, and clients in all forms of valuation and transfer. Okay. And then um, when you're not doing valuation and accounting and studying numbers, which I, I know I'm a recovering accountant myself, um, what are you doing? What are your hobbies? Tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I have a uh, young family. My, I have a son who's eight years old who keeps me busy and active all the time. Uh, he is a sports fanatic, so we're constantly outside in the yard playing something, whether it's 
basketball, baseball, hockey in the basement. I played hockey in college, so he's kind of inherited the love for that sport. Oh, good. Yes. So we spend we spend our time as a family when I'm when I'm not working, and my wife and my son actually help work in work in the business as well. So my wife is always there, kind of as a backbone to be able to bounce ideas off of. She helps to read reports for me and do research and analysis and help do tax returns during tax season. And you're probably trying to figure out how to go do the education thing with COVID now, right? With your eight-year-old? That's exactly right. Yeah. So that's a definitely a process we're all going through. Uh, I believe our schools are going back hybrid. So it's it's a challenge between time to work and time to do school. Okay. So getting into valuations, I normally, as a process, run into them when I'm working with clients, doing financial planning, wealth management, especially with entrepreneurs, business owners. Give me a little, give the listeners a little background about the process you go through with the valuation initially, like what what the process is. Sure, sure. Valuations, oftentimes for a lot of people, they think of it as something that only happens when they're ready to sell. It really is a much greater process than that. If a business owner looks at their business, in most cases, it's their greatest asset. So for financial planning, it becomes, well, how are we generating that value? And what do I intend to do with it? I know a lot of times I get in front of people and they say, well, yeah, I've done, I've done my 401k and I've done my retirement planning, but really my nest egg is in my business when I go to sell it. So the process usually for me begins with business owners. I ask the the very simple question of, well, just get me a tax return or get me as many tax returns as you can get me. We as valuators and as CPAs, we love our checklists. I can send a client the three to five page document request list, but that becomes overwhelming for a lot of people. So being able to just get tax returns, oftentimes everybody has to do that. So they have access to those fairly easy. That allows me to help start guiding the questions from there. Really what's important to your business? Where are the key drivers? What are the factors we need to look at and start discussing that help me to unfold the story your numbers are telling me? Mm-hmm. And often we call that in valuation, we call it a story because that's really what it comes down to for businesses. It does tell a story, but the numbers are only a part of that piece. So in getting the numbers and starting that basis of where are we at financially, where are the cash flows of the business, it then becomes a process of going into the business, doing a site visit, seeing what's really going on in the day-to-day activities, being able to talk to management or talk to the key people that are running a business or helping in specific portions of a business because they're generating a value that's called goodwill for most people that's hard to put a number on. But that's that's the story you're trying to help tell through that picture. Yeah, cause it sounds like, I, I know when I talk to business owners, a lot of times they think of it as getting an appraisal for their house. You know, and, and I have a business, why do I really care what the value is? But it sounds like, I mean, from our, my experience, but also from talking to you, you get a lot more than just the value of the business, right? That's correct. If, if I can start working with business owners early enough, it becomes a part of the process of looking at, yes, we, as business owners, we're in the business every day. We're running the business. We're, we're concerned with how do we get from one day to the next and keep making that next sale and that next general value. But when you start to realize that you're putting processes in place and you're putting key people in place, and I, and it's one of those old adages of, you need to make yourself replaceable in your own business, especially if your goal is to sell it at the end of the day. That's where you start to help generate some of the biggest value in that, that you can clearly define that process by which you make a widget 
or sell your service or what defines, what makes you different. That's where evaluation, those key pieces to me become very important because it's easy to take a number and we often hear it in valuation. I, I always kind of joke about this is the rule of thumb idea. And that's the idea that people walk in and say, well, you should get one, two, three, four, five times revenue, right? Well, revenue is the top line number. The value is actually in the cash flow when we get to the end. And that's that story and those processes that you look at that you really start to help understand where a business generates the value that becomes something somebody else wants to buy. Okay, so let me maybe just um, if I talk if I think about stage of life, let's take somebody who is uh, inheriting a business or looking to buy a business from the founder, let's say could be family, could be internal uh, team. Give me an example of, of why somebody like that as a potential buyer would want to approach you and get a valuation. Sure. sure. So we call that the due diligence process. So that's really you're, you're stepping into the point of saying, okay, mom, dad, owner it has come to me and said, hey, we would like you to buy the business. It becomes a process of what are you buying at that point? Really looking at, okay, what are the sales? What is the process? How has that worked? And then you as an owner understanding, putting yourself now in those shoes of how can you, how do you start to leverage that? How do you start to grow that? Really, what is it worth to you where it sits today? And then as well, oftentimes when I get in those situations and talk with them, it becomes a question of how can you forecast that to get that greater rate of return to yourself? So do you typically work with either the buyer or the seller? Do you ever work with a company and represent both, not represent, but work with both? Or how does it normally work when you're in an engagement? Generally, I'm engaged on one side or the other. Okay. I have been engaged before where I've got somebody who's internal who wants to buy and then introduces me to the seller business owner. And then it kind of does become a collaborative process mm-hmm. of really how do you come to that valuation? Because you need the information from the seller to be able to do that. But... Oftentimes it's one side or the other that where you're really talking because when when you're not in this is always the fun part about valuation to me is that when I'm doing due diligence or I'm doing buy side or doing buy sell at that point it kind of becomes a position of advocacy for them where I'm looking at your best interest I'm looking at the sell side the transaction from your perspective. So we call that an investment or an intrinsic value when we're doing evaluation. So I'm taking specifically you, specifically the company, and applying to really what's the value worth to you at that point. Okay, because I know we've talked in the past about, I, there's, a t- there's a word I never heard before. You said that some business brokers are now saying they have a broker opinion of value, which sounds like it's market com- comps or something like that. Correct. But let's flip it to a seller. So let's talk about, I, I, let's say I, the listener is a in their 50s or 60s. They've created this business. Like you said, it's probably one of the largest portions of their balance sheet. It's their ability to retire. But it's more than that. It's their legacy. It's, it's their baby. So how do you start an engagement talking to a business owner to get them off the dime to and convince them that it makes sense to do this, even eight, 10 years before they're looking to exit? Sure. So a broker's job is helping you to sell your business. Whether some brokers are trained valuators, some are not. So that broker's opinion of value oftentimes is really looking at market comps of what have other businesses 
either of your size or your industry, what have they sold for? So it starts to become something more similar to that rule of thumb idea. What most often when I'm engaged by a seller, it's that either they've kind of gotten that number and in those instances, I always tell people this, there's a gut number you want to sell for. As a, as a seller, you have a number in your gut that, hey, I think my business is worth this. Sure. Well, why? Why is that business worth that? That's, that's tr what I try to when I start talking to a seller. I always ask that question up front. What's your gut number and tell me why? Because I need to start walking down the story from them of why do they think that business? Yes, it's has it produced a lifestyle for you up until this point? Have you been able to create additional value on top of that? People look to do different things. There's different types of, there's people that look to take care of their family. There's people that look to take care of investment. There's people who are charitable and want to help those other organizations. That's what they want to do with the money. But then too, that's similar to kind of how they've run their business in a lot of instances and what that generates for them. So a question becomes, yes, I can look at my business and my revenue is X and EBITDA is this. And if I apply a multiple, my value of my business is this. Well, have we then sat back and looked at, are you at 40, 60, 70% capacity? Are you able to value that additional capacity if you're in manufacturing, say, to be able to produce more product or services? Do you have a process in place that makes you unique, that makes your product better than somebody else's, or you're able to do it more efficiently than somebody else? Those pieces can't really be quantified just by the numbers at the end of the day. The numbers help us to quantify it, but it's getting into really where are you starting to sell that additional multiple to it. Okay, so in your experience, when you've talked to business owners looking to do the valuation or you're trying to get them to do that, let me flip the question. So why, what causes them to hesitate? Why, in your experience, why don't people get, uh, business owners get valuations completed? Oftentimes, it, one part of the process is something we talked about at the beginning. It's that checklist of all the documents we got to pull together. And I most often hear from business owners in that position of either A, I think I know what my business is worth, and B, I don't have the time to devote to do that extra sure, step. Yeah. That's the two most often answers I hear from people. It's an opportunity when I can get that to talk to the business owner and explain I get what you're saying, but what happens if you and I were to sit down today and you tell me my gut number is $2 million, but we've got five to eight years before you're ready to sell? Well, what if we're able to start looking at where you're at? We look at key drivers to your specific industry and you're able to start to increase that value. You're able to start to pull yourself out of the operations of the business because you're putting a management team in place that can carry that on for what's say somebody's an investor that doesn't want to actively work in your business like you have they actually just want it as an investment you start to generate that value and what happens if we say your value is now four five six million dollars because you were able to make those changes okay so if a business owner says they don't have the time to do it and that's if you read that book the e-myth that's the whole theory behind it people are just spending so much of their time and energy in the business every day they very rarely step back and look at the picture and how, you know, how do I transition the business to wealth transfer, wealth generation, et cetera. If they don't have the time in your experience, who are the best people on their teams to work with in order to get the, the process going? Is it their CFO? Is it their controller 
external CPA, attorney? I mean, what, what's your experience with that? My experience with that most often is if when I talk to the business owner, it's an opportunity to say, okay, my next step is do you have somebody in-house that's doing accounting for you? If they don't have somebody in-house doing accounting for you, can we engage your CPA in on part of this process? Because your CPA has, has the tax returns generally readily available that we can get them from and start working down that process with the CPA on a collaborative effort. Oftentimes there is an attorney component to it because most closely held businesses are, are very general in how they handle the legal documentation in the background. And for some businesses, it can become a key component to start putting some of those legal pieces in place around compensation structure or management structure, or how those things start to evolve over time that actually help to help that valuation generation process, as well as help you as the business owner to help define that piece. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One of the things we've found, and we've done a couple podcasts on them, is uh, one of the first steps is almost building an external team, like call them team owner. Like for me, it would be Team Tim. Mm -hmm. We have great internal processes, great internal people. Oftentimes, they're not necessarily advocates for Tim's balance sheet, right? right? So it's nice to be able to step back. And that's one of the things we focus on is making sure that our clients are in the same room with their attorney, their CPA, their valuation expert, their insurance person, so that we're all on the same page. To jump to a different related though topic, we've also done a lot of podcasts and produced a lot of blogs and white papers on value drivers. I'm a real big fan of value drivers, and I'm a real big fan of getting valuations done early and then getting them done repeatedly in the future to really help focus on progress on those drivers. So mm -hmm. tell me in your experience, what are maybe one or two, what's the, what's one of the key value drivers that helps a business owner get the maximum price, maximum value as they exit? Sure. Most, I, I always go back to this principle. Businesses are not bought and sold on revenue. Businesses are bought and sold on cash flow. So understanding the things that affect your business after gross profit. Most often, most businesses have a certain level of whatever our cost is for a product, that times 20%, 30%, whatever it may be, equals revenue, right? Then it becomes everything else underneath there that really when you start to look at how are you operating and how can you increase your efficiencies, depending on the type of business, if you're looking at manufacturing per se, is there a way to buy another piece of equipment that makes you more, more profitable? Can you start to run two, three shifts that start to help that process and you can increase the amount of products you're putting out and increase that top line revenue? So it really depends on the industry itself as to which pieces of those drive, but it's what of those components do you have control of that help increase that cash flow at the end? And really it's, it's that understanding too of, is there a leverage piece? That's one of those things that most often when I deal with closely held businesses, everybody says, well, I don't want debt because I want to be able to survive a downturn. Sure. Which right now, a lot of people are focused on. That's a big concern right now. But there's, there is a kind of benefit ratio there where as, we, as business valuators, we look at it and say, what's the cost of equity, mm -hmm. which is you as the owner, that's the rate of return you expect, and what's the cost of debt? And those two components kind of come to the cost of capital for running the business. So sometimes I do run into business owners where I just say, hey, you've got too much of your own money in here running it. Sure. 
that, you know, we're not getting enough money back out to you. We actually need to go get some debt on your books to help from that part. And how about in this, uh, regardless of the industry, in this virtual new COVID protocol world, investments in technology, investments offering or creating the ability to scale, mm -hmm. does that... Is that a key factor also? That is a very important factor. That's, you know, the, the ability to scale your business is one of the largest drivers in value at the end of the day. And so really it just depends on how do you scale that? What really allows you to produce that product at a greater level and enhance the value from there. Okay. How about also another driver might be, or do you run across like succession teams, a great team, internal team? seems like in my experience in working with business owners regardless of the industry that's a real big variable it's a huge variable i think that's uh, that's kind of back to that part of that process where the interview of the management team or the people you have in place and the ability for business owners and i find this far too often is we we know what our process is i hear that often from a business owner have you written it down have you taken the time to actually show here's how we get from a to z for these given things. And what I find when I actually can get business owners to start that exercise, we got that eight to five year early head time, they develop that process, they're able to find efficiencies in there. They're able to see, oh, well, we're taking these steps and we thought we were really great at this, but we're actually able to do this, which then starts to jump that leapfrog, that next level of value to them. Mm -hmm. And those are components that are far too often overlooked that really that's that's exactly what you're talking about there is those pieces of as an investor if i'm able to step in and say okay i already know these people are in place they're they're already taking care of the business here's the process in place i can further on that so is it fair to say then that when somebody gets a valuation done it, it's not like you're just getting an appraisal for your house where you need it for the bank or something it sounds like and i know my experience with you has been that it's really a consulting engagement that results in a report a checklist and some really concrete solutions or you know ways to focus on how to drive the value how to increase the value and what to do over the next one three five ten years mm -hmm. to really get that higher value before you exit does that sound right that's that's exactly it i mean valuations heavily are built on risk so that's where those processes and pieces come into is the more you you can lower some of those risks, the higher your value is. And then I'm, I'm guessing, because I've, I've always said this, that I'm not smart enough to really know it all or do it all. As it relates to getting involved with legal structure and tax status and maybe family foundations, mm -hmm. it sounds also like you really need to work as a team and bring in the other advisors too. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's why my practice is unique in its way. I, you know, I understand that value of just like you, I'm not smart enough to know it all. I can't do it all. That's why my firm doesn't do financial statement attestation work. We do valuation because we try to understand and know that piece and work well with the other advisors that are there. Oftentimes I hear it from a lot of CPAs that say, well, I'm worried about you stealing my book of business. I'm not here to steal your book of business. I'm here to help you and help your client generate value for them. So I'm going to uh, shift into one last thing, which is uh, you recently helped us by preparing a, a white paper on purchase price allocation. So I know it, it's a technical part of the valuation process, but in my experience, it's not what you get but what you keep and taxation and what you end up paying for it and how you're allocating the price significantly impacts taxation and what you keep mm -hmm. so if you don't mind 
and we have a white paper and we'll kind of add a link to the white paper with this podcast but can you talk just briefly about what is purchase price allocation and why should business owners who are think, contemplating selling really be concerned or care about it sure so uh, there, there's a couple components and ways that we look at this. There's a purchase price allocation from a financial statement perspective, and then there's taxation. Most business owners are, as you noted, worried about the taxation part of it. And the idea that as we allocate a purchase price to a business, that affects how you get taxed on those assets. So when you're able to sell something that is say goodwill or allocable to the stock ownership interest you receive the benefit of that being taxed at capital gains rates so oftentimes i see business owners when we start to look at the transaction say well finally this year my income is going to be down and and maybe i'll be able to take advantage of that 15 percent capital gains tax rate which is a large advantage to them as opposed to things that are attributed we oftentimes as CPAs when we're advising clients it's all about the taxes and so in, in doing that we're trying to take advanced depreciation oftentimes to reduce the taxable income well when we take advanced depreciation we sell that asset we have to recapture everything that shouldn't that was advanced as ordinary income so you get hit at that higher gains rate so it's really when you break it down becomes almost as simple as that of how are we breaking apart the pieces of the total purchase price to each thing that you have i mean cash is you know the, there's there's seven buckets on the form mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it i really look at it is there's three main components to it it's really what's in your cash and receivables and inventory stuff what's in the fixed assets the equipment because that's actually where a lot of that ordinary recapture happens and then what's left in the goodwill and that's a part of that purchase uh, price allocation becomes a discussion of what are you putting in your contract? You know, or do you have a, or is there an allocable price to the customer list? Is there an allocable price to a non-compete? Because those key components, if you're able to start structuring those things down, can play a significant role. Yeah, and I think the the takeaway for me is I've, I've experienced, I've seen business owners who have sold and thought they were going to be paying capital gains for most of it. And as it turns out, they weren't because of the recapture, because of the purchase price allocation. And people don't have to be CPAs or experts, but I just thought it was a good idea to point it out so that it's it's on the radar of a business owner who's selling, and they can talk to their, their experts, their advisors, their professionals to make sure you deal with it. And like I said, we have a, a white paper that will make sure it's available. One of the this. biggest pieces that I might add is don't leave it till last. Yeah. Most people leave purchase price allocation to last after the deal is closed. Mm -hmm. It's that important that it actually can be a key negotiating point up front if you do the dil diligence work ahead of time. Yeah, no, I agree. So again, I, I didn't want to get too far into the weeds, but I wanted to make sure that the listeners got to meet you, vir uh, virtually at least, hopefully understand the benefit of evaluation is more than just determining price. I think price is just a very small component of it. I really think that the the value driver focus, the report, the consultation you provide is just tenfold times the value of the price, getting the price itself. So I appreciate you coming Thank on. You. Um, so if people want to connect with you, tell me how, tell the listener how they can reach you. Sure. So uh, I have a website. So it's uh, GMC, the word and, A-N-D-C-O.com. I have a, my office line is 219-554-9700. 
happy to take anybody's questions. I always offer that I, you know, do an initial consultation with people to talk to them and find out where they're at and then determine how we're best able to help them. Yeah. And I think you've also told me that a lot of times you're dealing directly with their CPAs and attorneys too. Mm -hmm. That's oftentimes how you get introduced to some of these clients. Exactly. So make sure you're, as a listener, you're talking to your professionals to make sure you're getting a certified valuation analyst Mm -hmm. involved early and often, right? That's right. Well, good. Guys, this was a fantastic podcast. Uh, in in my opinion, you guys could have gone on for another hour or two easily. <laughs> There's so yeah. much information, and uh, I appreciate the the thirty thousand foot view. But I would echo exactly Tim what you just said: is get your professionals involved, and then reach out to Greg and his team, and and. Uh, really take advantage of, of the services that Greg, you provide. I mean, there's, there's no excuse not to really. And it, it will give every business owner such a, a beautiful look at their business. So they're on the right track for whatever their goals are. So thank you so much for sharing that good information today. Thank you all for having me. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. You bet. And Tim, of course, thank you for bringing them on. I know that you, we, we've talked many times about how deep your bench is and, and the professionals that you lean on. Uh, for the things that you don't do personally. So uh, great guest today. Fantastic job. Yeah, we, we try to offer what we call virtual family office services, mm-hmm. and we certainly don't want to, we don't feel like we could house everybody or bring everyone on the team, but we continually go out, look out there, interview professionals. And actually I'd interviewed nine different people to find Greg. So I'm very excited that he was nice. able to join us today. Yeah, cream of the crop. Way to go, Greg. I think so. <laughs> thank you. You bet. And of course, the last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wellstream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.